We all know Oklahoma has a ton of underrated beauty to it. The rolling hills, the countrysides, the sunsets, and even our cities. If you're interested in decorating your home or place of business with evidence showing off the uniqueness of our state, give David Schweitzer a look. David is a talented photographer hailing from Calumet who has a passion for capturing everything Oklahoma has to offer. And don't take my word for it. Check out his website at www.oklahomabackroadexplorer.com and get in touch with him. I personally like the abandoned building prints. I'm into creepy stuff, but it also kind of reminds me of what Bob Stoops must have felt when he first stepped on campus in 1998. Again, that's oklahomabackroadexplorer.com or check out his Instagram page of the same name. Follow him on Instagram and like his stuff for us. We'll appreciate it. One of David's specialties is taking his photos and printing them on wooden cutouts of the state. It'd go really well with an upside-down longhorn skull in your living room. One more time, oklahomabackroadexplorer.com. Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. Sounds great. Yeah, it does. Golly, I need to get headphones like this. I'm telling you, like, headphones change the game a little bit. Have you ever done radio with no headphones? No, I have not. No, like, sometimes, one time I did, I think, a remote from, it's not Blue Garden, but it's around downtown. It's an outdoor venue. I think the yard, I think is what it's called. And our headphone, our microphones that were attached to the headphones were working, but the ear, the ears weren't. And with all the noise going on around you and all the people saying, hey, it's the franchise, or hey, fuck you, it's the franchise. <laughs> all that, and you're trying to talk about points per possession. <laughs> <laughs> sure. When you're talking Thunder stuff, it's like, I can't concentrate. Mm, the slurp fun. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast Thursday edition live somewhat because you're probably listening to this after the fact from Vanessa House Beer Company, downtown Oklahoma City, 8th, 8th Street and Broadway, where I am slurping on a delicious drink called the Slurp Juice. And boy, let me tell you, as somebody who doesn't really like... IPAs and hoppy beers. This is so tasty. It's really good. It's very good. I had a I had a different version of it last week. You had a a false one. Yeah, it wasn't the slurp juice, but I think it was something similar. It was still really good. This is really good. Comes out tomorrow, right? Uh, uh yes. They're actually going to be having a, a little shindig. Uh, n- I don't think it's next week. I'll have to check in with our overlords here at Vanessa. It's some, coming up soon where they're doing a whole. A big fun little event for the Slush Fun, Slurp Juice, all their new beers. And, of course, all the ones that you know if you have been to Vanessa House that you know and love, they're all still here. 401K, Cream Ale, 89 Lager, which Keegan always goes to. Destination like, Wedding tonight. Like a, like an old lover. I'm a weird guy. I mean, we can just isolate that and just let that be the, the podcast. I mean. You're wearing a, a hockey jersey. Long live Joe a, Burton, Doug a, Sauter. To a uh, football podcast. Yeah. I mean, brought a uh, Bull Durham. Next, uh, here soon, I'll have a Nolan Arenado jersey. <sighs> Are you just going to wear jerseys to the podcast now? It may be a thing. Is that going to be your thing? I n- I've never been a jersey wearer, but I think in the realm of coming to the podcast yeah. here at Vanessa House, it kind of goes with the flow. You know, you get a little, get a little 
drinking in, get a little pep in your step. I think, uh, again, once that Nolan Arenado jersey comes in, it'll be worn. So that's the dude that the Cardinals got. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for this. Yes. So I guess you're just going to be the Kevin Smith of this podcast, just wearing jerseys all the time, which is fine. But um, we're not going to be talking about the Cardinals <sighs> unless we're uh, uh, unless they're, of course, of the Arizona variety. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. People don't want to hear we about. Could, we can talk about the old St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> that were once coached by Bud <laughs> Wilkinson before they moved to Arizona. Yeah. See, what's crazy is I know you're a history guy. I would never know that. Well, why wouldn't you know that, Keegan? You got nothing but time now. You can read. Yeah, that is true. We do have uh, nothing but time. I haven't had time the last Did two you days. Wanna, you want to say goodbye to you, uh, Sooners Wire? Because uh, earlier today, I, I filled in for Kelly Gregg on from one to three on one hundred seven point seven with Jerry Ramsey, and uh, our call-in guest today was Josh Galloway. He did a he did a little fantastic little job. Yeah, he's uh, he's really talented. I mean, he's going to be a broadcaster, a radio guy, not a not a writer when it's all said and done. But he's valuable. You're you know, shitting on his writing he, skills. You no, know, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. He's uh, he's. Re- have you listened to any of his play-by-play stuff that he'll post out? I have all? before. Yes. Yeah, it's, he's really good. I mean, he is very talented. So yeah, he got on with us, unfortunately, like a month or two before the pandemic started, and then basically all all contact with people that weren't necessarily in your little work bubble at the mm-hmm. franchise just kind of got severed. Yes, sir. So, no, no, no. The last year when the pandemic was Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, remember I'm that, idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I stole Josh away from you guys at the time. But he's really good at what he does. Um, you know, they're still going to do a good job over there. So, I've got, I've got no no worries. Um, I will say it was weird whenever they were like, okay, Lincoln's going to be on a press conference here in 30 minutes. And I'm like, man, I wish I could be on that. Like, it, it hit me yesterday. It was like... Okay, I'm no longer doing this anymore. No, you're not. Getting more sleep, it just appears. And then you got a haircut. I did. I uh, Speaking of haircuts, speaking of haircuts, I got my haircut today. And no, I did not bring up anything about my Twitter following. No, I did not bring up anything about anything at all. But they did hand me four free MVP haircuts at Sports Clips. So if Ooh. you're in Edmond. I will not be needing them. If you're in the Edmond area or North Oklahoma City, Guthrie, whatever it may be, may, if you want to drive, I have four free MVPs at Sports Clip on Danforth in Edmond by the Walmart and GameStop, which shout out to the uh, people at GameStop for putting their money to work today. I saw that. It was good for them. That was a funny tweet. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, but you have four free MVPs. I am not going to post it to the morning. So if anybody that hears this before tomorrow morning that lives in the Edmond, North Oklahoma City, Guthrie area, and you want a free haircut, I got you. Hit me up in my DMs. They are open. There you go. There's a, there's a, there's a nice free plug. But I did get my haircut. Does it? I, I literally felt like I lost. I said this to you before we came on. Like two pounds off my head. It was so bad. So bad. Yeah, I, I, do, I don't really want to get my haircut anytime soon, but I do miss the feeling of a fresh haircut. Right. It does make you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, today felt good, like shaving and it was well. Like it was like, okay, grew up a little bit today. Yeah. You know? Now, the next part, for those that are wanting to slide into your DMs for one of those MVP haircuts, I mean, can they do they cut only the hair on your head or can it be any type of hair? What are we talking about here? I mean, I I'm pretty sure it's a PG place. Doll. But Key here. 
the MVP's great. Yeah, I don't know if, if you, people have been to sports clips. Like, I know it's not like your barber, go to your barber, schedule a haircut, whatever. But it's definitely better than going to great clips or <laughs> ultra clips or one of the other, you know, great value places. No. For real, though, if you're sliding into Keegan's DMs to try to get a free haircut, go get it. Go, to, then, the, go to the place. Ask the, ask the nice people to shave your unmentionables and then say, Keegan Renault sent me. Well, it will have my name on the back, and it will have the address to go to. But uh, And film the entire thing. And do it. Yeah, tell them you went. I'll retweet you. And then also subscribe to the Patreon while you're at it, since I gave you a $26 free haircut. Well, I mean, anybody can do that. Sure. Well, anybody can. But if, you, if, you get the, if you're one of these four people, you should subscribe to the Patreon. Oh, of course. If and you get a free haircut. And once, one more time before we get started here. Because we got a little bit to talk about that happened right after we recorded our Tuesday Patreon yeah, pod. I was really uh, pissed at Dad. Did uh, did want to give one more thank you to Vanessa House. Uh, come out here, everybody. It's everybody's being safe, being smart, social distancing, good beers. I mean, even uh, 92nd District House Rep Forrest Bennett is here. Awesome guy. Friend of the pod, I guess we could say. Yeah, he's good dude. We've, we've talked some stuff. He makes me feel before. very short. He does. He's a lot taller than I would have he expected. Can pull, he can pull like some LBJ uh, politician, uh, like, what's the word, technique. Wasn't Lincoln tall? Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. Wasn't he like 6'4"? Yeah, he's about a wing. He's, about, he's a wing? Maybe a wing. <laughs> this could go I down mean, a scary path. I mean, you, <laughs> what, one thing's for sure. Like, he would have been like the Russell West. Like, if you're going to compare everything to KD or Russ. True. He would have been Russ because Kevin Durant was the traitor. So now, Buki Radley Hiles. Not a traitor. Not a traitor, but he's in the portal. And uh, you had mentioned a tiny little thing about it whilst we were recording around 4 o'clock on Tuesday that, okay, here it comes. And then a few hours later, it was just in the Twitter sphere. Yeah. The, uh, I, I don't even follow it. What is it? The, the, 20, the 247. Rivals has one as well. Okay. Rivals transfer portal account. Yeah. Um,. I've got a few things to say about this, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know exactly who I'm talking to because I try not to concern myself with trash as much. I agree. I, I, I understand that no matter what you're talking about, whether it's sports, politics, especially um, business, anything, there's a trash group of people that follows everything. And they're trash, and they try to spread their trash to the four corners of the earth. And Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, social media, it makes it easier for them to do that. Having said that, when people say like that I'm a fucking idiot on the radio, I, I, I laugh. I just giggle. Yeah, and sure. I, and I just don't, like, I don't care. If someone says that I made a mistake and they're polite about it, I'll reply to them like, oh, thanks. If they're a dick about it, I just ignore them. Like, I just don't concern myself with trash, so... Whenever I give my little sports takes about things that are more, I guess, personal, I'm not talking to you at Sooner Patriot 7427 on Twitter. I'm not talking to uh, Poke for Christ 1313 on Twitter. Yeah. Those nameless, faceless trolls that just live to troll. Joe Smith is one. I don't know if you've seen him around. Has he responded in your tweets? That is such a common name. Yeah, it's some random guy. He's got like 19 followers, no one name, and he he has responded to probably 20 plus of my tweets, like trying to get me to bite. He got Joe Bettner too. He's uh, the couple weeks ago, whenever the uh, 
basketball game at the beginning when Joe was going after that guy about the person yelling during the uh, unity deal. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody, just somebody's burner account from that works in the industry. Probably. It could be. <laughs> that just wants to respond to the tweets. There's a lot of people with axes to grind. Yeah. I want to say this. I think people are having a difficult time like separating the hype, him not living up to it. Which he didn't. No, and he didn't. And as well as the, in like, as a fan, right, Brady, like, some of the stuff that he did on the field was embarrassing to yeah. you. It, like, he didn't represent, at times, Oklahoma's defense to what people wanted someone to represent Oklahoma's defense to. So, with that being said, I think they have a hard time separating that from the fact that he actually was kind of a good football player at Oklahoma. Like, he was in position a lot. He hardly ever was out of position. Yes. He made plays on the ball. He was probably one of Oklahoma's best playmakers at one point um, in the secondary. You know, so I, I think, you know, whenever you're talking about you know, Buki's career legacy at Oklahoma, and we heard Lincoln, I know we'll get into that after this, but I just, I have a hard time, like, the people that are like, oh, he just wasn't very good. Like, that's why he shouldn't play. It's like, no, he was good. Why you don't like him is because of the embarrassing plays he made, which that's his own fault. And then as well as not living up to the hype of being uh, the five-star, the the last five-star Mike Stoops signed. You know, yeah. he was supposed to be the savior of Oklahoma's defense, and he just wasn't. And so I, I think people have a hard time separating one from the other. Like, I get it if you just don't like him because of his antics and the things that he did. Then just say that. Like, you know, he was a good football player. He just wasn't. He just wasn't what people wanted him to be, and he made some really dumb mistakes. Yeah, well, first, let's let's lay out the facts first. And the facts are thus. He was a five-star recruit. He was a yes. five-star cornerback coming out of high school. And w- the whole thing about him, because we knew that he was short coming out of high school. He didn't suddenly become short. He didn't suddenly get on campus. Yeah, we all knew and that. And OU's coaches were like, oh, my God, this guy's a munchkin. Like, we knew that. But the whole balance point of it was the guy's an incredible playmaker. It just doesn't matter. And you kind of get in your head guys like Tyrone Matthew. I mean, even Tony Jefferson was 5'10", mm-hmm. and he went from undrafted to, at one point, the highest-paid safety in the NFL. So I had – the sky was the limit for that, and a lot of that also kind of went into play because OU's defense was so bad at the time, mm-hmm. and he was kind of billed by his hype, by his high school film, and I'll never forget this, OU pimped him out on yep. the, in the spring game. If you remember the first time, it was like a couple weeks after he had got on campus – Oh, you did like a promotion deal commercial about like being a student athlete, football player at Oklahoma. And he was the guy that was chosen to be it, to be in the, in that as a football's representative for it as a freshman. Like, so yeah, they definitely pimped him out. So we, we have that. And then the other facts of the matter are he didn't play well on a bad defense in 2018. Mm-hmm. He did not play well. And really, the, the penalties weren't really that much of a thing in his freshman year. No. It was just he was one part of an entire bad defense. He was not the worst, but he was far from the best. And you kind of saw where the physical limitations brought you, mm-hmm. where teams started to run right at him because, like, all right, if he's going to be lined up over there, run that direction. It's an easy like guy that you can take care of with the number and try to outnumber OU's defense, and everybody had success with doing that. The handful of times where he was actually asked to be in man coverage, he showed off some of that re- uh, some of that reason why he was a hi- highly recruited player. Yeah. Now, 
you fast forward to 2019, the defense makes incredible improvements across the board because Alex Grinch is there. There's better, there's better leadership. There's better accountability. Things are a little bit more simpler. And everybody makes drastic improvements, pretty much everybody, except Buki. Buki starts, yes, Buki starts to regress because what he was able to do on the high end as a freshman, that was basically his ceiling. He was always a okay player. Yeah. His ceiling was if the ball's thrown in his direction and he can go up and get it, he can go catch it. Because how many times do we see guys in the secondary just drop gimmies? Buki wouldn't drop gimmies. If you just replace Patrick Fields with Buki in those positions against Iowa State and Ames, Buki p- picks those off. Sure. Like, I have absolutely every confidence that he would do that because he's a football player. But he didn't make that leap that we were looking for of a guy that had such otherworldly athleticism. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have it. And so you start to see, okay, well, he's getting beat, so he's going to hold. Or here comes some taunting penalties. Or, and probably this was, a, I think this was 2018 anyway, the whole sledgehammer thing. And I know that technically was a special teams thing, but when your defense is getting gashed and gashed and gashed and you have this silly kind of imagery and you have this guy that's incredibly vocal, and football, I want people to be vocal. Yeah. I want people to be trash talky. But not when you're getting run for 40 points. Not when Kansas is running up and down the field on you. So the other fact is Buki was not put in the best position because he was not on good defenses, which wasn't his fault. And his initial defensive coaches didn't put him in the spot originally why he was a highly touted recruit at cornerback. He was kind of done dirty in that respect. So we'll never actually know if Buki was supposed to be this great cornerback. We'll just never know. Now, again, we fast forward to now. He's been benched essentially twice in his career. Mm-hmm. He's in the transfer portal for a reason. Yep. When people that are diehard crazy fans like me that can make the easy separation between Buki Radley Hiles, the human being, and Buki Radley Hiles, the football player, yep. which is all the, all the one I know, I, I have a feeling for the human side, but I don't know him personally. All I really know is his football play. And let me tell you, it was maddening. Mm-hmm. It was I agree. incredibly maddening. So when I say, when I say that he's not good, I'm not saying he's a no good human being that needs to go away. And so when I see people getting in pillow fights on Twitter, trying to essentially say he's a good kid, just misunderstood. No one's misunderstanding anything. He was a bad football player, and that's why he's in the transportal. Uh, I disagree. He, that's why he got benched. Uh, do good football players get benched? No, but I think he played just as good as Trey Norwood did. I just don't think the ball came his way in those games that he did get benched in the in the Big Twelve Championship and and in the Cotton Bowl. So I I disagree with the the notion that he wasn't any good because I think he would have started on Oklahoma's defense this year. It was either him or Pat Fields. Either he, one of those two was going to start. He did start. Well, he was going to start this year. Like if he would have stayed, it would have been either Buki or Pat Fields would have been the one that gets benched, and the one guy like. You know, whatever all you can say, like the one guy that probably hurt is the one that's out there is Pat Fields. So he probably would have started this year. The thing with Buki, again, that I I have a problem with is that the notion that immediately that he just wasn't a very good football player, he shouldn't have ever been playing at Oklahoma. Well, the same conversation could have been said for five, six, seven other guys that have played in the last three years. 
I mean, clearly the standard at Oklahoma is a little bit different. And, you know, defensively, like, you know, you, you look back, Austin Roberts, you know, defensive end in that game. Um, Kenneth Mann, you know, those those guys, like, are they good? Yes. Are they guys that should play at Oklahoma? No. And, you know, Emmanuel Beal, you just go down the list. Um, Curtis Bolton even, you know, like, even he was a good football player. He made plays. But, like, I, that conversation can be said for a, a handful or more of guys in the last four to five years that was recruited under Mike Stoops. So, I think, again, the, the biggest problem that I have is I, I think he would have started this year. I would think he would have started nickel. I think they would have slid into Laren Turner Yell over to free safety and started Justin Harrington at strong safety. But at the end of the day, it's over with. Um, I think with Buki, he, the things that he did for Oklahoma outweigh the things that he didn't um, in terms of he helped cultivate a defensive culture. Um, there's a lot of people have come out and spoken about that and everything that I've heard that rings true. Uh, bro, you know, like no, nothing you're saying is like things that I didn't know already. Well, sure. But my point is, is that the fact, the notion that he isn't good, like that's not true. Cause I can pull up plenty of tape to show you that he's good enough Lincoln to start. Riley Oklahoma. wasn't a good football player, but he was probably good for Texas Tech's culture. Cause he's so fucking smart. Well, sure. But the, at the end of the day, though, Buki was still a good football player though. Like he made more good plays than bad plays like he he has really good tape he also has some bad tape like that's the problem if that's the thing about the game of football let's let's just pretend that spencer rattler had a his turnover problem that he had in the beginning of the year let's just say that that continued now you and i would be saying if he cleans that up man the sky's the limit because the talent is there sure but basically what you're saying is buki made you know in a random game he made five good plays but he made two bad plays. The problem is, is those two bad plays are probably more important the, than the good ones. See, I disagree. But at the end of the day, see, that's where we'll draw the line. Then I know you and I disagree there. Um, but that's where I'm at. I, I get why people are like, okay, I'm glad he's gone. But he, I personally think he would have started this I'm year. indifferent if he stays or goes. Well, sure. My, my point is he shouldn't be playing a ton. Well, I mean, but who I else, who else was going to play? Jeremiah Cradell, he wasn't ready. Trey Norwood was ready, obviously, but he wasn't healthy. So who else was going to well, play? Well, that's, that's the hope for this offseason. Yeah, sure. Before Buki was ever in the transfer portal, I mean, we've been kind of under the un, – we've been in, in the understanding that he's, he might transfer. But if he doesn't, my whole thing was kind of like with uh, – oh, what's his name? Uh, Robinson on the offensive line. Tyrese. Tyrese Robinson. I hope they get to a point where he's just played off the field. Well, sure. Yeah, and because that's all. Tyrus Robinson I, is, I agree with is you a there. good comparison where offensive, like on, on the offensive line, he, you could probably pull up any random game and find a dozen great plays no. where, he, where he, <laughs> he does his job well, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, I get what you're saying, but Tyrus. But a holding call or a false start yeah. that turns a makeable field goal into a missed field goal just barely because now he has to kick it five extra yards. Like, that's. That's boneheaded. Yeah, but Buki has better tape than Tyree. So I, it's just at the end of the day, like it is what it is. Everybody has their opinions on this deal. I'm not going to sit here and let you know. Uh, here, I'll say this: I, the stuff that was being said and publicly on Twitter by people that have no idea what they're talking about. Well, that's about. what I'm talking yeah. about. Who cares what people that are just trying to be rude? Well, sure. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I if you wanna, if, for it. If people want to be concerned with the degradation and trash of society then by all means live in that world i know people are saying rude things to buki radley about buki radley hiles and i think that that's disgusting 
But what I will tell you as an OU fan, I don't want to see him on the field that I, much. Yeah, but I, I get that. I get that. It's just more of a the notion that he wasn't any good. He shouldn't be playing at Oklahoma. Well, like, he was. there was no one else that was good enough to play over him, clearly, besides Trey Norwood. And then, which was not his fault, but yeah. Well, and people have to look back too. Like when Trey Norwood came on the scene and started starting more and getting more plays, randomly was, by the uh, way, was <laughs> was against Texas Tech. Well, who was out? Buki was out for, with COVID, I believe. DTY and Buki. one of both of them, I believe, were out. Yeah. Um. So I, I Buki was out for a game there whenever Norwood played well. But at the end of the day, it's over with. I, I think that, as you said, like. I agree with the idea that you can get better talent in there. I just had the I, – I, I think there's a little concern whenever you're talking about a guy that knows the system, that he's always going to be in position. Is he a liability in the run game? He wasn't as much in 2020. He did a lot better job there. But can Oklahoma continue to improve at those positions? Yes. Can Oklahoma improve on three positions in the secondary? Yeah. Yes. Like, all of that is true. I just think the conversation about him not being good enough or not playing at Oklahoma or this or that, that can be said for a lot of people. Like, there's a lot of players over the last four to three to four years where you're just like, man, he wouldn't play at Georgia. He we talked play about at a Alabama. handful of those guys. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? You and I were probably – we were probably the only people that were really trumpeting Buki Radley Hiles during the season and t- and pointing out things like, dude, he just re- he read that play pre-snap. Yep. He didn't make the tackle. Yep. But him bogging the play down because he knew where it was coming or where it was going allowed a Ronnie Perkins or it allowed an Isaiah Thomas or it allowed a Brian Esmoa to get out to the perimeter and make the tackle for loss. Mm-hmm. Like that's invaluable. His best asset is his brain. Yeah, he's he's so instinctual, and that's why I, I know this. I'm not going to go off on soapbox here. I'm not, but. That's why he's a corner. Like, whenever I, I go break, I agree. Whenever, I, whenever I go to break down film, and it, I, you've heard me say this, whenever I go to break down film of corners, the first thing I look for is instincts. Instincts first. Then, can they be physical at the line of scrimmage? If they have those two things, they're probably gonna be pretty good because you can knock guys off their route. You can, you know, make them run a different route than what they're running. Make them go wider off the snap. So there, there was a bunch of things he could have done. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I said. Um, I will say two to three Oklahoma players that follow me liked my tweet about I hope Buki gets to play corner wherever he goes. So I think, I think that sentiment's felt. And I think, you know, like you can say why Buki is in the in the portal. I th- have a strong feeling that might be the reason why. Like he's like okay, like, you know, Trey Brown's gone, Parnell's gone. Like we've got young guys. Jaden Davis, unfortunately, like I don't know where he went. I may have been the doghouse, but that's is here nor there. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't be surprised if he was just played off the field. Yeah, I, I still think like there wasn't a big difference between him and Trey Brown. So I, they, I oh, I, I know. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of chalked that up at least in the last two games. That Trey Brown was just the benefactor of being in the right place at the right time. I I've mean, got no comment. Like the Big Twelve Championship. I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent because we've talked about it before, but I mean, he was one of the biggest reasons why OU won that game, but it had really little to do with his cornerbackness. He had two awesome kickoff returns that helped OU, which has nothing to do with his playing cornerback. He had an awesome pass breakup at the beginning of the game where he finally was able to get away with holding because he never is able to get away with it. And then he caught an arm punt. Yeah. He got an arm punt against Texas to Sam Ellinger, so, I mean, great. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the Buki Radley House story. But it's it's so funny. You know, you go look at some of these rivals transfer portal. Like, Eric Gilbert had a bunch of comments, quote, tweets, retweets, 
whenever he entered Buki's, I think I saw that he had like over 400 quote retweets and retweets oh, yeah, on the video. It's he's so polarizing, man. It's I hope I hope the best for him. Um, in terms of you know, I I'm not gonna get people you know are gonna be like, oh, you're only defending him because he was a good interview. Like, no, like you guys know me. The people that Brady knows this, the people that listen to this know this. I would never be deterred from that. But I will say this, because he's such a good person, I hope I hope he goes wherever he goes. He gets to play corner, and he gets to go tear it up. Because if he does, then you know he's vindicated for all the frustrations he's had at Oklahoma. But I, I will say, the you know the culture at Oklahoma defensively, the things he did for the program um, from you know, you know I hear stuff like you know he's going to. You know, doing those volunteer children's hospital, other charity, don't charity stuff. He does it. He, he, you know, like I get, I get that you don't want to hear that, but like it's he was doing that once a week. It's like, not that I don't want to hear that. Please, like I, I understand that these these players that we talk about, that we praise, that we cr- criticize, that we get excited for, that they're human beings. But this is a football podcast. And sure. when we're talking about them, we're talking about football. Well, sure. But and this was more of a, like, this is why I hope he goes and does well. Because he, from all the him, stuff that I I've want heard. him to do well regardless of where he is. I want him to do well if he stays here because I'm an OU fan. And I want him to do well if he leaves because I know of him. I want people that I know of to do well. And he's a Sooner. And my whole, my whole thing, the reason why I'm kind of sighing at all that is not because of the act itself, but because... We only bring it up because we're just we're trying to do this thing where we have to feel sorry for him. I don't feel sorry for him. I just feel I feel more of a like I want I'm like rooting for him to do well because like you know the video I posted about the Florida game. Like it'd been like Jordan Thomas. Like it's real easy for a guy to get pulled like that, go on the sidelines and act like he's, you know, oh, I'm going to be going to the NFL. I'm going to put a three cone record drill in my bio on Instagram, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like it's very easy to go that direction. And Buki didn't Buki, you know, and credit, like same thing we, we talked about with Spencer Rattler after he got pulled, you know, in Texas, like he was right on the sideline, hold, you know, right by Lincoln engaged in the game. Um, you know, they're, they're, those are, those are character things. And so I, I think he did a bunch of really good things for Oklahoma. And I'll, I'll finish with this. I hope he does really well wherever he goes. If he ends up, I know we didn't touch on this. You know, Lincoln saying he. I hope he's not done at Oklahoma. Um, that's interesting. I think it was genuine. I think it was too. I think it was like we appreciate you. Thank you for what you did, um, and we're rooting for you. I well, think that was more of what that was. Well, because I mean, look, I mean, if Buki does stay, like he's going to play, and if Alex Grinch can figure out ways where. Like, if he is so understanding of what the opponent is going to do, and therefore, if Buki's here, if he can put Buki in on plays where he knows, like, they're probably doing this, mm-hmm. and Buki is best suited for that, it, it, do, it goes away from his weaknesses. If you can put Buki into a situation where he can succeed, and then he can, then all, all that's really left with is him to do it, I have every confidence he can do something mm-hmm. about it. And if you can just get that efficiency rate of, don't play Buki as much, but maybe that yields more success. I'm all for it. Yeah, I think again, I, if Buki does return, I think he. I bet he starts at nickel. They slide Turner Yell over to where Pat Fields plays, and they have Justin Harrington starting at strong safety. Brady, and then, but I, I think the biggest thing is there is that you've got to have one. If Buki does return, you've got to have one of either him or Pat Fields on the field. You do. You those guys know they get the calls in. They're the quarterbacks of the defense. Um, those guys have to be on the field. I don't see Buki returning, 
with some of his replies that he's put out on Twitter to some of the players. Um, I think that this is a – I don't want to say that – you know, there were some reports that this was a mutually or some talk about this being a mutual thing. I don't think that's the case at all. Well, th- yeah, because if Lincoln – if, that, if it was a mutual thing where Lincoln or the defensive staff goes up to Buki and says, hey, we're probably going to go in a different direction. Go in a different direction. Yeah. So if you decide to transfer, you have, you know, we wish you luck, full graces, good graces, whatever you want to say, uh, best of luck to you. Well, then Lincoln wouldn't cut, turn around and say, well, we want him to stay because then Buki would know that was a lie. And with Buki's social media pull, you might have a bad little PR hit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I, so to me, it's genuine. I mean, I bet he ends up at UCLA. I mean, that we've said that for a year now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, we hit on it. We both knew that this was coming eventually. I thought it'd be after the spring, but there's you know reports out there. I I, I don't know where it's from um, about Billy Bowman being at nickel so early on. You mean Tyree Kill? <laughs> we'll get that. We'll get there in a second. Uh, but that makes a lot more sense because, again, just like what we're talking about, Brady, like they clearly have a lot of trust in Buki and not a lot of trust in anybody else to play nickel. And that makes a lot of sense why Billy Bo, like if it's Bowman, Cradell, Davis, Harrington, like you've got to have, you've got to try to get your best five on the field. And if that includes Billy Bowman, I'm all for it. But whenever you put it out on paper, that dude needs to be on the offensive side of the ball. They've got too many damn good defensive backs coming in, too many that are on campus. He's gonna have to. He's gonna end up back on offense eventually. If it's not this season, it'll be next season. But it makes a lot of sense why Bowman, if he's truly working only at nickel right now, um, or in that room working at nickel, in the meetings room right early on, it makes a lot of sense now. But again, as time wears on, you know, you look after this group of wide receivers at Oklahoma. You know, Jaden Hazelwood, Trejan Bridges could be gone after this year. Theoise will probably be back. Then you only have Theoise. Uh, Marvin Mims, you have Mario Williams, Cody Jackson, and that's it. Well, Brian Darby, Trevin West, you know, like those guys. But outside of that, you have no one. So Billy Bowman's going to have to play offense here by next season. By 2022, he's going to have to. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's just it's all interesting. Um, I wish the best of luck to the kid. I really do. Um, you know, I obviously wasn't as good as what he thought or what anybody thought he was going to be, and that's okay. It happens in relationships. You know, Brady, you know this covering the NBA better than anybody. Sometimes relationships don't work out, and yeah. sometimes you've got to pull the string on them. I mean, Caleb Williams was a five-star, and nobody hates him. No. yeah, he, he, does, he has not lived up to the <laughs> hype whatsoever. <laughs> no, he didn't finish out this recruiting class like he was supposed to, so that's already strike one, right? Exactly. No, um, like I said earlier, I think Buki's best asset when you're talking about football is his brain. And I don't know what his future is, you know, out um, past college. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to the league. Do you think? Unless I'm wrong, Buki. Yeah. No. I mean, we c- he could prove us wrong because he he's is until March first. I think he's, he is a phenomenal athlete. And if he goes, if he does transfer, and he's put into a better situation to succeed, you know, who knows? But if he doesn't have a shot, at the league would not be shocked by his ability to um, lead his teammates because. I'll go back to a little radio hit that I had in the offseason going into the regular season. Uh, I was on with Todd and Eddie, and Eddie asked me when we were still trying to figure out who the defensive leaders were going into this season, if you could pick one player for that position, who would it be? And I said, Buki, and I'm not going to throw Todd and Eddie on the bus. I know why they laughed, <laughs> sure. but they laughed. And I was like, my whole reasoning was, guys, the team loves Buki. 
whenever he gets an interception, the team explodes. When when someone else does, like they're excited, but they do not. It's it's a different energy when Buki does something great. Sure. And so if Buki is able to be the player, or even half the player that we thought that he was going to be, and he becomes that leader, then that's going to be good for this defense. So his ability to rally guys around him, to be a good culture guy, and then of course the X's and O's, how to absorb it in film and then apply it to on the field. Yep. Would not be shocked if he's got coaching in his future. Oh, I think Oklahoma. If like the moment he's done, exactly. Uh, Oklahoma will. I. Oklahoma's trying to get rid of some of their. Uh, I'll say this: some of their defensive assistants that aren't on, like not assistants, support staff members. Yeah, there's some. Uh, there's definitely. There'll be a couple guys I think you'll see leave here in the next nine months, and you're going to be like, "Oh, what happened?" And What's the, we'll talk about it. Did you hear something through the grapevine? I would say it's not grapevine. I would say it's maybe someone that's inside those walls. So, um, no, nah, and it's not what – I don't think it's what you think it is, but there's some defensive support staff members that are going to be uh, – that are going to be basically asked to get another job. So, with that being said, that will open up some spots for some guys. And if Buki, you know, in two years from now when he graduates – and when he, oh, he did graduate. You know, he graduated in three years too. Sorry, I'll yeah. stop saying good things about him. But, no, I'm kidding. Regardless uh, – UT has a paid internship position suddenly available now. They so, do. Yeah. They do. Um, did you see that was pretty funny last night? Uh, Vic Reynolds, the old uh, OU Daily beat person, the, yeah. the high school coach that they hired for the, like, director of high school relations – I forget that schools have to actually put like applications out there to, for it to be an official like hiring for a public university. So like there was director of high school relations that you could apply for, and he found it. That was pretty good. I feel bad. There, there's somebody that has to go through those. You know, there's somebody that has to go through all the uh, all the resumes <laughs> and cover letters. It's the people like me and you are it, applying. It's just a whole bunch thing. of. It's a whole bunch of fuck you. Oh, <laughs> I I bet I bet they uh, I bet they don't look at any of them besides the dude from uh, Lancaster that they got, which is a which was a really really yeah. smart hire by the way. Like yeah. that's getting Joey McGuire at Baylor kind of hire. So the props to him for that. Well, wherever you may go, Buki, thanks for the memories. Thanks for the sledgehammer. Thanks for the sledgehammer. The pick, I uh, he uh, it's TCU and gave me some great content because he ran right at it was right at me, Bettner, Eddie, and Nate. Basically, what I've learned is if you're on the sideline late in the game, just follow Eddie, and the ball follows him. Him and Nate, it's amazing. They're always in their best shot. Kind of like how smoke at a campfire follows the hot person. Yeah, no, yeah, no smoke. Yeah, follows me definitely, but that's for other reasons. Anyways, Tyreek Hill, right? What type of smoke? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Mm. Um, Tyreek Hill, right? Like, this is just gets into it. I'm not going to sit here and just continue to trash people. Like, I know I've done it maybe on the last couple podcasts, but this is just getting out of hand. Like, we'll, we'll set it up for people who aren't privy. So, there was a uh, top five list released by Fox College Football, which has an analyst now named RJ Young. And I'm cool. He can, you know, whatever. They can hit me up, whatever. But that's just like. Comparing Billy Bowman to Tyreek Hill, and even the other ones were nuts. Like Christian McCaffrey to Trevion Henderson, the kid that's going to Ohio State. Like, look, they're just not even the similar running backs. Like, Tyreek Hill and Billy Bowman have no similarities at all. Like, literally at all. Like, Billy Bowman doesn't have just electric speed. He's not, doesn't have, he's not super quick. He's a really good receiver. He runs great routes. He's physical at the line of scrimmage. Literally, the things that Bill, that Tyreek Hill is not, 
like Billy Bowman is and what Billy Bowman isn't Tyreek Hill is like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense so at the end of the day that's I'm not going to sit here and continue to trash people it'll come up you know more stuff will come up but this shit's just getting out of hand like you come the people that listen to this podcast know we're going to shoot you straight whatever it is um and so I'm glad to know that but it's just so frustrating because because then you have to have people like this is this is the this is the fallback from that. So this is what happens. So now two two months from now, whenever Billy Bowen's playing in the spring game, someone's gonna get in my DMs or get in my mentions. They're gonna be like, like man, he does look like Tyreek Hill. You know, like there's there's fallback for this. Whenever you've got a voice of power, no, it, and it reason. lays it lays either fair or unfair expectation. Yeah, I mean when Bu- I mean when Buki was coming out, I mean people were using the Tyre- lazy or Tyron Matthew. Yeah, the lazy Tyron Matthew comparison. It doesn't help that Tyron Matthew is telling Buki that he was Tyron Matthew. Yeah, yeah. God, that guy. Damn it. Damn it. Did you honey get Badger? In, did you get in Honey Badger's DMs and say like, "What are you doing? Stop this madness." No, but it was my first interview with Buki, and like he, like him and I were just going back and forth, and I asked him about that. I was like, "I saw Tyron Matthew, you know, replied to you, whatever," and he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Him and I chat once a week," and I'm like, "What? Like why? Why?" But why? Why? So now there's my uh, there's that. Hey, yeah. Speaking of interns, you brought you brought it up. Brian Carrington no longer in Texas. We don't have to deal with his bitch ass anymore. Pardon my French. I mean, just like a lot of people, I've muted him. So <laughs> I again, like I said at the beginning, I don't concern myself with trash. I don't know if he is necessarily a trash person. I'm going to assume that he's not. He's paid to do a job, and his job is just to be a kind of a troll but also like a gigantic propaganda machine and he was good at that apparently because i had to mute the guy so this is an exact quote you'll, you'll love this. this is an exact quote some about a month and a half ago before the first signing day before anything happened like i had someone at oklahoma tell me we need to get someone like brian carrington is that not nuts like he was such a thorn in their side why? Because he was dunking on them on Twitter. And I think people just don't like. Like he built relationships with all those recruits. Like he helped recruit them to Texas, which is different from what other recruiting coordinators so do. So you're saying, oh, you needs to hire Red Dirt Sports. That would be a very good idea. He has helped get them a couple guys, Brayden Willis specifically. And it was funny that you know they Lincoln at the time gave all the credit to Kale for finding him, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, when we all they like, I've seen the DMs, whatever. Uh, so uh <laughs> thought that was pretty good. But no, Red Dirt Sport, we've talked about this. We could construct a coaching staff, Brady, of people that we know, and we'd be pretty damn good. Well I'm just a peasant, Keegan. I I see I would just bring you in as the Clark Stroud. What does he do again? I always ask that question. He's I believe the director of player personnel. Now what so does that person do? It's just scheduling like the team needs to be here at this point needs to be there getting hotels dinners setting up events um scheduling you know that fun stuff he gets to fly the plane on the plane with the team yeah okay the, yeah, cool. he gets to be a super fan and do all the scheduling. if you're a super fan like i am i mean that would be a very very nice job <laughs> uh did but. the uh this just popped up i don't know if you'd be interested in this the uh, Steve Berkowitz with USA Today released literally right before we came on the uh, reports of revenue for the year. For, I uh, saw the SEC made like forty-five million per school. Yeah, a, uh, and I'll you know, credit Matthew Gaylor on this. He's already put this out. Texas brought in fifty-two point seven million. OU forty-two point seven million. 
because people have to remember the Big 12 does the third-tier right stuff, so Oklahoma and Texas can get some more money. Um, the Big Ten as a whole distributed $55.6 million. SEC distributed $45.5 million. Goodness. So OU's really... In a pandemic. So OU... These players aren't getting paid. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, OU's, I mean, they're right in line with those SEC schools. So, I mean, the jump, a jump there doesn't make much sense. You might say that they're a blue blood. I might. Yeah. You're right. I might. I may, I may just say that, which is crazy. Keegan and I talked about blue bloods. What? Who are the blue bloods and what constitutes one? Because Keegan and I get in argument after argument about that very topic on our Patreon podcast on Tuesday. So if you're interested in hearing Keegan and I yell at each other. We did a good – we had our first, like, or second. We had an argument over Landry Jones right at the beginning, a big one. When? Um, on what? I think it was after the Kansas State game because you're – the Rattler thing, but that was pretty good. I think we got in a little little. What was it? I have there. no memory of that. Well, you were just like a quarterback that obviously has all the arm talent to do whatever he wants, but makes mistakes in critical moments and, and whatever. And you're like, oh, it's like exactly like Landry. And I was like, <laughs> stop while you're ahead. Just stop. Like, don't hurt yourself in there. Oh no no no! Our good friend Peyton, at yeah, the, at the beginning of the year said that uh, he might have some Landry in him. Oh yeah yeah, and, you're, and at the time like sure. I mean, Spencer did shrink in the Kansas State game, but he got bigger at the end of the Iowa State game. Yeah, so he that was, he was that that take. That he, I don't think Peyton 100% subscribed to it. It was just something. <laughs> it was just a concern. It was like Peyton's a very smart person. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you, you want to go through the uh, top lists that I put out before I? Before, well, where do you want to go next? Well, real quick. Anything else from Lincoln Riley's press conference yesterday where oh. nothing happened because oh you didn't offer anybody. Kamar Wheaton ended up going to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, so what was funny, so I was actually talking to sources on Tuesday about that. And, I mean, the OU side, the people are still, like, it could happen. We've, we're prepared for it to happen. I talked to people that down in Texas, Texas high school football people. How did you do that? You're in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I was talking to Texas high school football people. And they were telling me that it was up in the air with Alabama, and they weren't sure. Yeah. So that's where all the uh, so th- it was. It did get a little little weird there down the end. I just think Alabama came back and said, or Alabama, or yeah. And they we talked about this. They, this is crazy, and this is why you subscribe to the Inside of You podcast. Brady and I had a text conversation two months ago, about two months ago at this time, whenever Shane Beamer took the new job at South Carolina. And we were talking about guys that Oklahoma could go get. And the first name I brought up to Brady was Michael Gillespie. He was the running backs coach in North Carolina. It's crazy he ended up at Alabama, Brady. Like, seeing that, it's like, in my head, I'm like, man, Lincoln's got to get a hand on that guy here soon. Like, two years, you know, DeMarco's gone or, you know, Dennis leaves or Kale leaves or something. He's a really good recruiter. I think he had to do a bunch of selling to get Kamar Whedon to come play at Alabama. But I will say, like, I had heard that Alabama was lukewarm on him. Kind of like what Oklahoma is, you know? So yep. there was some uncertainty there at the end. But the big, big piece, big piece from signing day, Brady. One, Lincoln acting like, <laughs> how do I say this? The Tennessee players, right? Like, he was talking about meddling and, you know, tampering in college football, this and that. It's like, yeah. Uh, like, I don't know if you guys can say much about that with the portal. But what he did say was that there's like cheating it's like just like cheating going on in high school football recruiting thoughts I like, mean yeah I mean he just threw it out there like 
he doesn't necessarily need to throw it out there because everybody knows that it happens. I mean, OU has lost. I mean, we can name Jacob Phillips. They lost yep. Jacob Phillips by a direct result of his trainer getting paid. And Lincoln even mentioned, like, whether it's the player mm-hmm. uh, or a parent or a trainer. You know, <laughs> and I was just like, well, Jacob Phillips! Well, Kamar Wheaton's recruiting coordinator did all the talking for him. Yeah. And here's the important thing Jason with McClellan how re- the recruiting landscape is changing and the portal is becoming even more paramount now because – I understand that people and fans are looking at OU's 21 recruiting class and saying, well, if you had Wani Morris and Key Lawrence and Eric Gray and all these guys, well, then their their recruiting class is much higher. Well, it's not fair to say that because in any recruiting class, even, even somebody like Alabama's this year, if you have three to five of those true freshmen be day one contributors and they're good, you're lucky. Alabama will be lucky if that's the case. OU usually has two or three guys. I mean, Marvin Mims, DJ Graham, and then you're talking about guys that are just contributing. Antoine, Antoine Harrison, he, he wasn't great by any means, but he was, he was good. Yeah. He's going to be better. Yep. So the point is, like, when you're getting transfers, for the most part, especially a guy like Monty Morris, he's going to be a day one starter. We know that right now. So it's unfair to say that let's add them to the 21 class overall because the 21 classes, their impact is going to be felt two years from now. Yep. Whereas Wanya Morris, if everything goes according to plan, even guys like Key Lawrence and Eric Gray, by that time, they'll be in the league. So it's unfair to add that. But what Lincoln kind of alluded to, maybe I'm reaching um, far too much with this one, but you always got to be recruiting. Always. Because of the transfer portal. So even a guy like Kamar Wheaton, I know... You've said, it's been said, reports all over the place that OU basically is like, all right, by by some point before signing day, however long ago that was, they told Kamar Whedon either shit or go off the pot. It wouldn't shock me, though, if OU still, like you said, had every intention of potentially signing him if he so chose to flip. Basically what I'm saying is you don't burn a bridge with a kid because – you never know a year or two from now if they'll want to transfer. And if they'll want to transfer, the first place they're going to want to talk to is a place that they had a strong relationship with. And using Kamar Wheaton's a bad example because mm-hmm. the dude doesn't talk, but Wanya Morris was recruited by OU. Mm-hmm. And is that why... Key he, Lawrence was... Yeah. OU was number is, two or three. Is that why they went to OU? Not 100% why, but it's probably easy to assume that the first people that they called were Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch because they have that relationship. Or they had family retail to them. Regardless, yes. That's what I was talking about. I mean, you're recruiting the family, too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Or coaches, whatever it was. Definitely reached out to Oklahoma. It's upsetting when, you know, players don't – you're recruiting, don't choose your school. But I think Lincoln Riley is smart enough, like even with Bryce Young. Not saying that we're looking for Bryce Young to transfer to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. But if something presented itself and he felt like he needed – because, like, let's say Milrow just kicks ass at Alabama and – shit hits the fan at OU, and Bryce Young decides to transfer, well, he'll probably either transfer back to the West Coast or to OU. Yeah. Because of that relationship. Oh, he – we've talked about him and I's conversation after my interview with him about Lincoln. Oh, man, he raved about Lincoln, the offense, the situation he would have been in. I think I th- it just was so wild to hear Lincoln come out and just basically say, like, yeah, there's a bunch of cheating going on in college football. And – well, one, 
don't be naive and act like, you know, Oklahoma's not. Two. No, they, they read to the blind yeah. and walk my grandma across the street. Yeah, for sure. So I just think it was interesting that he came out and said that. Outside of that, there was really nothing else that came out. Dennis Simmons is now the uh, assistant head coach passing game coordinator. I don't know if anybody Sh- under – Shout out UT. Yeah, I don't know if Lincoln has ever given a passing game coordinator title away before, which is interesting. I'm sure Dennis Simmons is still going to be doing what he does on a normal basis. Dennis Simmons is – He's going to be a head I don't know. I actually just, don't. Just I, he said that yesterday. I don't know if Dennis Simmons should want to be a head coach. He seems like a guy that goes to the NFL, becomes a wide receivers coach, and that's all he does, personally. I mean, if that's what he wants to do, then, I mean, he, he obviously has a good enough resume uh, to, especially after this season, and if he stays at OU another year, I mean, we all know that he's going to be able to put talent on the field, and that's going to be as a direct result of his recruiting and development. So he should deserve any interview that he could get. If he wants to be a head coach somewhere, then great. I don't know if he's going to be a good head coach, but he could very well be a very good head coach for all we know. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, I, I'm glad that he's still here. I'm glad that OU and Lincoln Riley gave him a promotion and a essentially a new title, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how involved everybody like the coaches are in terms of like their game day preparation or their weekly preparation. I don't know what that does for Dennis Simmons. I don't know how that affects the offense by him becoming the passing game coordinator, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think it does. I, I think it's still going to be status quo. I mean, we've heard stories about, you know, Kale being the inside wide receivers coach but helping out with running backs and Mike being the outside linebackers coach and basically coaching the secondary. So it all goes and flows, ebbs and flows. Um, the other, other recruiting thing, two things, Brady, that happened. Bear Alexander commits to Georgia. <laughs> you hear that, Ed? Bears. <laughs> Oh, you gotta love it, right? I, I mean, it. I mean, the kid goes there, visits one time, and <laughs> I mean, what fast food joint did they eat at? I made the joke like you have to like Chick Fil A bags need to be checked in Athens. My pleasure. Yeah, no doubt. And then Connor Weigman, Oklahoma's lone twenty twenty two quarterback, one of two quarterbacks Oklahoma has been recruiting for the last you know actively been recruiting and pushing for, commits to Texas A and M today, which is going to have some sort of fallout effect for Oklahoma. Um, oh, who's the who's the fanboy that works for Texas? Uh, Lucci, Billy Lucci, Liucci, Lucci. Why is he? Why is he like trying to dig at another adult? Yo, he has something against Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know what it is. And anytime Oklahoma's brought up, he just hangs the Cotton Bowl win and over Oklahoma's head. I, I don't know. I, I think that Billy is a kind of a. He's a, he's a fanboy. Well, he is. I mean, he doesn't hi- – he, he accepts that, you know. So, I, uh, I'll i say this. Billy's one of those people I just block out. Like, I don't care. Like, I couldn't care less what that guy thinks. So, like, I just block it out. But with Weigman, big-time quarterback, Brady going to A&M, um, they finally got a quarterback who I think has got a chance to do some really big things. I mean, there's a lot of – a little Max Duggan to his game, a, a little Johnny Manziel to kind of that same realm. Um, I think it's a, a – I don't know, you haven't heard me say this. If Lincoln would have been able to pull him out and keep him away from A&M in Texas, <laughs> like, like that was definitely Weigman was a Switzer moment for Lincoln because, like, I don't really need you. Like, you're really good. Like, you're going to hit a lot of home runs for the baseball team. You're probably going to get drafted playing baseball. 
Like, we don't really need you, but we really don't want you at Texas or Texas A&M. So I think that's I think it's a, a big loss in that regard, and it's also a big loss in the regard of like you look ahead to 2022. You've got Caleb Williams and Micah Bowens, and that's it. You know, like at some point down the line, there's Oklahoma's going to be unlucky. A quarterback's going to get hurt. Something's going to happen, and they're going to need a quality guy behind them. It was supposed to be Chandler Morris. Now it's not. So we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with that. But Oklahoma's only current. This is. I mean, two years ago, right to a T, right? Oklahoma's only quarterback to the, at the time it was Caleb Williams and Brock Vandegriff during that during two years ago, and now the only quarterbacks offered to uh, Malachi 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 Nelt. What's his What's his last name? Why am I Why is this? Let's just kid? call him Malachi. Um, it is Malachi Nelson from Los Alamitos, California. Brady, I think this is a big time dude. Oh, I thought he was from the cornfields in Nebraska. Close, right, with the last name Malachi, probably from Iowa, North Dakota. He who Montana. walks behind the rose. Um, Wyoming, a big-time guy, though. I I haven't said this to you. He's got a little Jared Goff to his game, a lot more athletic. Yuck. You put, but, like, Goff was – I know. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Number one overall pick. I mean, he uh, – so I, I, think, I think that's a big-time guy. And it's funny that, like, with Arch Manning, right, a lot of people are like, oh, got to go. Oklahoma's got to go get him. I'll say this. I've heard some stuff about Arch Manning in Oklahoma, even though he doesn't have an offer. I think there's a reason why Oklahoma's slow playing him a little bit. I, I, I don't know if Oklahoma's sold on him quite yet. I would, they should be. But two, if Oklahoma offers him, I think that it wouldn't take long. You know, it'd be a, if Oklahoma doesn't string this out, if they offer him, but you know, next couple months, uh, they definitely could. You know, string the. You know, you don't want to string him along, but. You go get Malachi Nelson. You you hand the keys to the program to him two years from now. You're looking pretty good. So that's the fallout of the Connor Weigman stuff today. And they've got a quarterback, though. Uh, I think that's interesting just from the aspect of, like, they're on the cusp. And you saw me say this yesterday. Like, A&M's on the cusp of – Not know, not being a, a nuisance to not, Alabama. Not being a new – like, actually going into a football game and being able to win yeah. a football game like that. They're close. They've been missing that quarterback. And now we're going to find out over the next four years with the, you know, they landed Ruben Fathery and, and Bryce Foster, and they've been recruiting well across the board. And they landed, I believe, a top five, top seven class this year. I'd have to check that. But they're going to land another one in 2022. They're going to get Cam Dewberry probably, who's the big-time offensive tackle that Oklahoma's after. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, things are turning up down there in College Station. And it, it, that's a, like, how do I say this, though? I see, I see that as a good thing, like, if Texas and Texas A&M can just get off the damn pot and stand up for themselves, it helps everyone out in this region because it keeps the big kids local. And the problem we're having, and in, in credit to Texas, Texas has had a really hard time in Dallas, right? Well, they go get the high school coach from <laughs> In more ways than one. Yeah, exactly. And so they go get the high school coach from Lancaster. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, A&M's doing a good job. I think Texas, Texas has done, continued to make, you know, Good moves over the last couple of days. I did think it was funny that they did miss out on the Austin UK kid. <laughs> like oh, Kyle yeah. Flood's first recruitment, you come in late to go land a very under the radar guy, a guy that has a, a as high a ceiling as anybody um, in this class. I think along the offensive line, and <laughs> he ends up picking Stanford over Texas. <laughs> yeah, think about something other than sports in that respect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Well, Keegan, uh, anything anything else you want to touch on? You want to get in these top five player things? I so this is top five players to watch for this off season. <laughs> oh no, um, who needs top five players who need a big off season? And then the five things OU needs to accomplish, and I can run through them really, really quick. So um, I'm going to start with the five things that OU needs to accomplish. Um, you know, five stay healthy. Um, yeah, five stay healthy. Austin Stogner obviously was hurt. You know, you have multiple other guys that that were hurt uh, throughout the year. Um, they need to have a healthy spring. Like, that's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. See, real quick, I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to have to repeat that for me because uh, Forrest Bennett asked. Here, he wrote me down. Uh, should I be mad, sad, happy, confused about Buki Radley Hiles looking to leave? And I, I said happy. You know, just just be happy. I'm not going to comment. He can listen. He can listen to the podcast if he can, wants to hear my comments on Buki Radley Hiles at the beginning. But uh, I just I just say be happy because you know just be happy. You're at Vanessa House. There you go. Did it? What happened? Exactly. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. It's like a relationship. Yeah. That, but that means we're single again, Forrest. There you go. There you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> get get some good beers in you from Vanessa and then just go right up and down Broadway and find somebody. <laughs> uh, so this is the five things Oklahoma needs to accomplish this offseason. I said number five, stay healthy. Have to stay healthy. There I you mean, go. Boston Stogner can't get hurt. Um, Hazelwood Bridges, those guys can't get hurt. Running back, Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray, those guys can't literally can't get hurt. Like That's the difference between winning a national championship or not. Four, they have to figure out the wide receiver rotation this, this offseason. Um, you know, you've got four guys in Marvin Mims, Trojan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood, and Dio Weiss. How that ends up working out is going to be interesting. They typically use a three-wide receiver rotation. So I think the Weiss is going to be the odd man out there. Um, and then number three, I, I said figure out where Justin Harrington fits. I think that's extremely important because I think there's a lot of talk about him winding down and playing nickel. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. I, I think that if it comes down to it, that, that could be something that benefits Oklahoma greatly. I, I think if you ha- you do have Pat Fields back and Delaren Turner yell back, so you, you know convincingly, I, I think Harrington winding down the nickel or you know Turner yell and Harrington switching would be good. But I think you have to figure out where he fits this spring because he needs to spend a whole summer preparing for that, a whole fall camp preparing for that because he is a guy that could change and be the difference between Oklahoma winning a national championship or not. I mean, this has to be one of the most important springs in the last ten years for OU. Mm-hmm. I agree. And speaking of Justin Harrington, I mean, we talked about Buki and how like a did Lincoln comment on him yesterday? Though? I don't think so. I don't. Th- like, I want to. Here's the thing about Justin Harrington: when we talked about Buki for the first 30 minutes of the show, and how a little bit of like a whole lot of his stuff is just the fact that he came in with a lot of hype. Yep. I am to the point now where if Justin Harrington ends up being an average player, I'm probably going to be very, very <laughs> upset. Like God. Dang it. Well, like I, I mean, you've heard me. I, I've talked to multiple people at Oklahoma during the fall, and they're like, "We can't wait to get this guy on the field." Like, yeah, we we need to get this guy on the field. He is he's gonna be that much of a game changer. Um, number two, get offensive tackle situation settled. So whatever it is on the right side with Harrison Swinson and Wilkins, or on the left side with Morris, you know Wilkins and that and Harrison in that conversation, I think it's so important. Like because here here's the big thing. The tackles, I, I want Oklahoma to start a season and end it with the same group. They need to do that. They need stability at that at, along the offensive line. Now, can you know you replace an Andrew Rame uh, or replace Tyrese Robinson with Andrew Rame midseason? 
that one guy I don't see a huge problem with. But I think Oklahoma had a huge problem in left tackle with, um, you know, rotating Swenson and Harrison. So uh, they need to get that situation filled. And then uh, we've talked about this, Brady, Spencer Rattler's next step in getting Caleb Williams ready. Though We've already gone ad nauseum about that. Uh, those two things have to happen. I mean, Spencer Rattler has to be able to start, you know, reading the defense, doing things on his own, this and that, whatever. Um, and then Caleb Williams needs to be ready to play next season, and that starts this spring. Well, he needs to be act like he's preparing to start in 2021 because he's going to be the backup. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's going to be very – this is a, a, a huge spring. And I said that, you know, more than Lincoln being an offensive coordinator, more than him being the head coach, it's such an important spring for him to coach his position up more than – maybe more than any spring that since he's been at Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, OU's going to be in a situation where – I mean, they already have two, three games right now on paper where Caleb Williams is going to play fairly early in that game. And if they don't, sure. if, if he doesn't, then OU has royally shit the bed in that situation. <laughs> it should be like five games, and, six games. And this also, year. <laughs> you really shouldn't view him as, I can only play him in four games. Like, who cares if he gets that red He's going to be here for three years. He's going to be here for three years and then gone. And if he's not, if he's still here after three years, then something went wrong. What, mm-hmm. maybe an injury? Or maybe he just wasn't as good as we thought he was. So you really need to look at it as in a situation where if OU truly hits their stride this season, especially offensively like we think they can, Keegan, mm-hmm. that means you, you, you turn that three-game situation where Caleb is for sure going to play and you hopefully find three more situations where he can play in, at least starting the third quarter. Well, and if that's the case, then not only is that great for OU in the short term because they're playing their backup quarterback means they're kicking ass, but Caleb is going to be more than ready for when Spencer Rattler goes off to the NFL. Well, Caleb Williams is going to play in Western Carolina, Nebraska, Kansas, <laughs> and, I Tex- love and, that. Te- and Texas Tech, right? Those four games. I mean, that's like a – I feel like that's almost a freaking guarantee. Maybe I'm a little bit higher on Texas Tech, and it's a li- I- I'm, I'm being optimistic. Sure, sure. All right, so these are the uh, top five players who need a big offseason for Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. Five was Key Lawrence. For the same reasons I say about Caleb Williams, this is the start of these guys being ready in uh, 2022. So, Key Lawrence needs to be ready. I mean, if he's ready by Texas, he's ready by Texas. If he if he is, he's a great you know guy that can play nickel for you. Um, he so could be really really good. You have no hope he can be ready day one. I, I have hope. I just don't think is what we've seen that Alex Grinch isn't going to put a guy out there he can't trust to run his simple defense. I hear you. And so I think it's going to take some time. And but he's a guy that he could play nickel. I mean, he's a perfect pl- candidate to play nickel. So I think it's a big spring for him. Wanye Morris for all the obvious reasons. Number three, Div- David Aguebu, a guy that I have been after the final three games of the year, just been head and shoulders. You know, this guy's got a chance to be a first round pick. I've talked to multiple people at the NFL level. They they've got their eyes on him. They think he could really soar this year with his draft stock. The Mike linebacker stuff he was playing um, this last season. Uh, there's a lot of people excited about that, but he's six four, two hundred and fifty one pounds. He needs to be about with. He needs to do two things. He either needs to drop ten pounds and get to two forty, so he can be a little more athletic, or just restructure where some of that weight's at because he's built to be an edge rusher. I mean, that's what he was physically built to do over a course of time. So, yeah, I think that he's going to have to continue to be. You know, continue to grow as a linebacker, but as well as lose some weight or restructure it, do yoga every day, loosen up. Hey, DeMarco Murray did yoga, so, like, he's on staff. Like, tell him about did the – Did Brennan like, Clay? 
No, he was uh, in a pyramid scheme. Keani? Much different. <laughs> Number two is Spencer Rattler, though, after that. There's, for, a, there's a pyramid pose in yoga, <laughs> but not, uh, not the scheme. That's different. <laughs> Number two is Spencer Rattler. Um, for all the reasons we've talked about. Who's that? And the number one was Jalen Redmond. I think this is a guy that you, you want to talk about a guy that needs a monster spring. If this guy wants to get drafted in the second round, third round, which is where his stock was at after last year or after 2019, uh, he's going to need a monster spring. He's, he has the ability to be so good. Man. So damn he, does he, he Does he have a higher ceiling than Ronnie Perkins? I think he's a higher ceiling than Perrion Winfrey. I don't think he'll get drafted as high as Perrion because – there's not many six foot three, six four, three hundred pounders that can move like that. Yeah. But can Jalen Redmond be a guy that comes late in the second round, early third round, defensive tackle that is, you know, six three, two hundred and seventy, two hundred and seventy five pounds, and you can't move him and he moves you. I, 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 I like that idea. He's gonna need a monster spring. So I had Redmond, Rattler, Aguebu, Morse, and Lawrence. Is there anybody that you have off the top of your head that needs just a big spring? Harrison, maybe. I, I would say Harrison because I think we're all giving Wanya Morris' sophomore season a pass. Yeah. And it's not just because of Tennessee, but because, like, Tennessee people will tell you that um, he got contact traced a ton last season and that affected Practiced his Practiced three times in fall camp. Yeah. And, I mean, OU had that same thing, and OU fans are all like, oh, they're not in shape. That's why they can't run block. That's why they can't pass block. So I think we're going to give Wanya Morris a pass. And if he becomes the player that we think he is, the only key left is – um, Anton Harrison, and if he's as good as we think he can be, and at times he showed last year, oh, he's offensive line, even by losing their two best players from last season, is going to be probably better than it was at any point this past season. So I think Anton Harrison's probably the, the easy key, and then you can throw Rame in there as well. I really hope, and this is just because of the last 10 years of OU secondary, that what we saw to DJ Graham, Woody Washington was not fool's gold. I really hope that they improve off of what they showed so that means good ball skills the ability to get turnovers uh good in space and good in coverage so this is what i was going to say and you've heard me say this this is why losing Buki's not that big of a deal and why like oklahoma fans should be excited by it if this happens if they slide woody back to free safety where turner yell plays slide yell over to fields play harrington at nickel and you have Davis and Graham at corner, those are your five most athletic guys. Now, if they can get that lineup on the field, Buki, you know, you're, repl- you're addition by subtraction there. But I don't think, I don't think Oklahoma is going to get there with those five guys and getting them on the field. So, yeah, I think it negates a lot of it. So this is the last one, Brady. It was the top five guys to watch for this spring, and I missed one. So I'm going to start with six, and I think you're going to like this one. Marcus Hicks. Okay. Guy coming off injuries, former wrestler, athletic, physical, plays def- he's going to play defensive tackle where Jalen Redmond plays. And there's not a lot of depth at, at really at that position as much as there is on the ends and, out, on, and at outside linebacker um, in terms of quality depth. So, yeah, you've got Ellison. Yeah, you've got Stokes. Yeah, you've got Roberson. You've got Kelly. But – are, uh, you know, Ellison and Roberson are the only two guys that you and I sit here today and go, okay, those guys are bona fide, you know, NFL going to be NFL players. Like Marcus Hicks could be that. So if he steps up, that's just another body Oklahoma could throw at people. You know, six three, six four, two ninety, two two eighty, two ninety. Uh, so could be a big spring. Number five was Billy Bowman. 
Um, for all the reasons everybody's talking about right now, he could be nickel. But most importantly, I want to see this guy back in the kickoff return, punt return game. I, he's special. He's electric with the ball in his hands. So it's going to be interesting to see where he is. Number four was Stacey Wilkins to watch this spring. Guy who didn't play last year, I heard he spent literally the entire year training and um, getting healthy. So if he's back, like Anton Harrison, yeah, Stacey Wilkins is a candidate that could replace him. Or, you know, if Wanya Morris goes down, Wilkins can play left tackle. Like, he's good enough to do that. I've evaluated him in person. He wasn't impressive down at the opening against elite talent down there. But the tools were there. You know, he had just come off, you know, being at the Rivals five-star deal. So he was exhausted, tired. So it makes a lot of sense why he didn't perform as well at the opening. But I think he's a guy that with his frame, physicality, mindset, he could be there. He just has to get there. And this could be a big spring for him. Um, I think that if he takes a few steps, he's going to uh, – he's got a chance to start, I think, at right tackle. So yep. uh, number three was Shane Witter, guy to watch this spring. Another – Brian Odom guy that I kind of wrote the – He made wrote, two good plays in the God Bowl. I wrote out on, but damn it, he looks good. God, he looked good. I, he, hope, I hope so. There's he a whole bunch of I hope so. Yeah, he – again, how can I sit here and question anything that Grinch and Brian Odom do at linebacker anymore? That's I mean, true. Alsamoa looked great. Igwebu and we do the same thing time. with Bill with Bill Beanbo on the offensive line. If he throws out some weird combinations, like that's probably correct. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now we questioned him a little bit this year, but <laughs> to your point, uh, number two is Joshua Ellison. Um, I got to watch for this spring. I he's gonna be good. Good lord, I didn't realize he was a sophomore. Good lord, he's this is his first year of draft eligibility, so he'll be in Norman for two more years. He'll he'll reap the rewards of not having Winfrey and Redmond along the defensive line. He's going to be a dude. He's going to be good. Yeah, he's going to be a dude. And number one was Seth McGowan to watch for the spring. I I, I, th- I was going to say, I'm, a, I'm interested. I'm, it's interesting you didn't pick a receiver. Yeah, I, I think we know. I would say Theo Weiss yeah, more I, than Seth McGowan. Well, in a big spring, I think Why did you say Seth McGowan? Well, I think that you know we have some intel on some stuff that happened in this last season. He clearly, you know, didn't have a full spring summer in the training room. He didn't have a full fall camp, you know, got in the doghouse a little bit in the middle of the year. So I, I think that with his talent and, you know, my conversation with Mike Roach and anybody that's listened to him on the Patreon, thank you. But he also brought up there, he's like, he's as good, McGowan was as good as anybody I've seen in Texas at running back. So there's a lot to like. He's got, you know, he's got take the, he can hit the home run in terms of speed, didn't have his giddy up in the cotton bowl. Um, I would I would say some of the stuff about being in the doghouse had a little bit to Again, do with that. I feel like we're a broken record every time we mention Seth McGowan. Him having a spring and a summer is going to – and a winter off-season conditioning. He's going to look like a different player next year. Yeah, yeah. So he could, he's going to help Oklahoma next year. Like yes. He, yeah, so I think I think it's a big spring. I do want to bring up Theo Weiss because I think it is interesting um, where he's on the watch list or needs to have a big offseason. Like, he just needs to catch the ball. Like, catch the ball. Well, I guess that just starts in the offseason, though. Yeah. Like, it need, like, he needs to go into this – like, him and Hazelwood, they need to both go into this offseason going, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be CeeDee Lamb. Yep. Because OU can just do everything they want to do by committee with at wide receiver because they've got so many talented guys. And they've got their Hollywood Brown and Marvin Mims, their, their vertical threat. They need somebody that can just catch every route, that can just run, or run every route and catch every ball. 
and it should be Theo Weiss. I don't really know what to expect out of Jaden Hazelwood. I know what his talent is, but I have an idea of what I should expect out of Theo Weiss, and he just unfortunately dropped five or six touchdowns last year. He would routinely catch the most difficult NFL catches, and some of those easy ones he would drop. So, to me, I think he's one of the more key players, offensively speaking, for OU in 21. Yeah, I think it's important for him. But, you know, we're talking about the wide receiver rotation. Like, I don't expect Theo East to start. I expect it to be Hazelwood, Bridges, and Mims. So, I... Uh, yeah, but if you're not starting at wide receiver... He, he'll be in. He'll be him and... That's the thing. Like, why didn't Theo Howard transfer again? Like, what is he doing? He made some key catches, man. I heard Theo Howard was running low 4-4s at UCLA, by the way. Like, legit... Like low four fours, and obviously we didn't see that. Achilles, so his Achilles, Achilles tears are sons of bitches, yep, man. Yep, yep, yep. So I, again, I, this is it, we we talked about this. We're going to continue to. I don't know if we're going to start up two podcasts a week when spring football starts. Uh, we did get some clarity on that. We didn't bring that up. M- late March, beginning of camp, spring game, late April, which is a little I bit like, different. I like that just because the time <laughs> in between the spring game and. Fall camp is now just a few weeks shorter. Sure, <laughs> sure. And it keeps – well, for me, usually – And late April is – I feel like every time the spring game rolls around, I'm like, can't they put this at the end of the month? Because the beginning of April, it's either pissing rain or it's 1,000 degrees outside. Or it's cold and windy. Or it's cold and windy. The end of April, it, it's just hot. Well, and I want to give credit to, you know, Bob Persbillo. Uh, you know, I was listening – it's weird now. Like it's like I have to listen to all this stuff to get the information that I've missed from the press conferences. I hate that. Regardless, um, you know he brought up a good point. The uh, contact period or the quiet period where kids can come on official visits. Yeah, oh, unofficial. Okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, it, he said that he he brought that up on their podcast that it ends on or it starts on the fifteenth of April. So Oklahoma. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like Oklahoma definitely. You're seeing a lot of schools are like April 17th or, you know, right around that time period. Schools are scheduling their spring games. So it makes a lot of sense. So Lincoln's like, well, okay, well, we'll put ours two weeks later and people can still come. So uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Bob, get you a little Bob in here. But no, I, I think that's it. I, I think that, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, the things that people want to hear right now or, you know, how things look in Norman. They started training a week ago. Everybody looks great in gym shorts. I'm sure they'll start up seven on seven here soon, and they're going to look great in seven on seven. Rattlers looking like a Heisman contender. We're not going to feed you. I'm, I am not. Brady can. I can. I, I will say for myself, I'm not going to feed you all that BS unless it's something very notable. Like if it's, you know, Billy Bowman going to be the starting nickel, or you know, something. At the Anton Harrison or Stacy Wilkins is crushing it, or this or that. Like we'll definitely relay some stuff, but. Don't anticipate us to sit here and go over every nugget that we've heard from fall camp because, as Brady knows, I've been fed some bullshit. Fed some bullshit that we don't discuss that I know is BS. So I, uh, and the biggest one still, I will never forget the Kyler Murray Austin Kendall situation when I'm sitting there and I'm like, the spring game. I mean, spring football can just be a gigantic lie. Oh sure. The I'll never forget how I felt walking out of the stadium when I saw Trey Matwire ball out in the spring game. He looked like... <laughs> Had great hands. He, 
he looked like Julio Jones. <laughs> like, just, like, who is this guy? This guy's incredible. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't wait till Caleb Williams goes like 10 for 12 for 150 yards and Sam two touchdowns. Sam Bradford threw three picks in uh, Baker looked his like second absolute shit in his. His first, first one. Yeah. Yeah, he was awful. Was terrible. Yeah, that's when they had the little cameras on top of their helmets. The yeah, that was, that was cool. Uh, I, I want to say... Dimitri like, Flowers got hurt on a uh, seam route. Did he? I yes. don't. I don't remember all the spring he games. Was, like he I was out for the summer. Oh, I did not know that. So, no, I guys, we're not going to feed you. We've, you come to this podcast for the information that's accurate, that's up to date, that's what you want to hear, the opinions it takes. We're gonna. F- we'll have you covered. Trust me. Like, we have every angle of this covered, whether people know it or not. Hell yeah, Keegan. Thank you for coming. Long live Joe Burton, Doug Sauter. Go Blazers. I don't know what that means. Vanessa House, thank you so much. We love, love you. Love you, Nolan. Love you. And we love Nolan, too, I guess. Arenado. We love you, the listeners, of course, on the Inside <laughs> OU Podcast. Thank you all so, so much. If you're listening to this Thursday or Friday morning, I will be on the radio with Ryan Chapman and Jerry Ramsey from 1 to 3 Friday. So don't forget to call me tomorrow. Are we calling you? Every Friday. Okay. I cannot wait to ask you the same damn shit, shit I asked you today. Good. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Everybody, thank you for listening to Inside OU. Continue to do so. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.